Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Ve salatu ve selamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'ah. Allahumme erinel hakka hakkan ve erzukna ittiba'ah. Ve erinel batıla batılan ve erzukna ictinabah. Rabbi şrahli sadri ve yessirli emri ve hlul uqdeten min lisani yefkahu kavli. Assalamu alaikum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the 27th word or rather the addendum of the 27th word. The 27th word is about the about the concept of ijtihad, exerting effort in order to uh, come close to, exerting one's utmost effort in order to come close to what pleases God while making a decision. But this is not any decision by anybody. It is primarily a decision about issues that concern religion by those who are learned in religion, who, who are competent to make judgments, to pass judgments in and about religion. Everybody can do ijtihad and has to do ijtihad throughout their lives. But the ijtihad, the judgments of those who are knowledgeable, learned and competent are also binding on those who take their schools of jurisprudence as the as the foundation of their practice of Islam. So we went over this issue and then we came to the addendum part of this 27th word and here Ustad Nursi is discussing the the virtues of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and radiyallahu anhum. The companions were superior to everybody else who lived from the time of Adam السلام, to the present time and to the end of times except for the prophets. The companions of the Prophet وسلم, were chosen by God to be his companions. This has a very important foundational role in our understanding of our religion. The foundation of our religion is the Quran and the prophetic traditions. And the companions played an important role, an essential role, in transmitting them to us as close to the original as possible in the case of prophetic traditions and absolutely as the original in the case of the Quran. It is the capabilities of the companions of the Prophet to follow him. It is their uh, attention to the details of the Prophet practice and words. And then it is their memories and it is their veracity 
that provides us with this reliable source of information while figuring out what pleases God. So the companions are an essential part of the process of ijtihad, but also they are a, an essential part of this process in another way, in the sense that they did not only transmit, but also interpreted and applied and showed us how to apply them. The founders and imams and scholars of all of the schools of jurisprudence in Islam acknowledge this and consider the ijtihads of the judgments of the companions as an essential part of what they are doing in applying those sources to particular cases in their particular times. If there are differences of opinion and differences of practice among the various schools of jurisprudence as to to what extent the judgments of the companions are to be taken as foundation of particular judgments in particular cases, those differences are based on whether to follow the literal wording, literal practice of the companions, or whether to follow the spirit of their judgments and practices. Otherwise, there is no way that we can possibly find out what pleases God based on the foundational source of our religion as the Quran and the prophetic traditions. There is no way other than that that the companions of the Prophet have taught and showed us. Yet, there are tendencies out there that perhaps inadvertently, perhaps unintentionally and sometimes perhaps intentionally try to bypass the companions and the generations that have come after the companions. And this is wrong. We cannot go to the scripture, the Quran and the prophetic traditions as bare texts by bypassing the companions of the Prophet and also the following generations who have built on what they received from the companions. Here the focus is on the companions and their importance. Because of these tendencies uh, that may mislead us, it is very important to understand the superiority of the companions and their significance in our religion. So this is why we are reading this addendum. Ustad Nursi gives us uh, three factors that we need to take into consideration to understand the superiority of the companions of the Prophet We read the first one in the previous episode. Inshallah, today we will read the second. The second cause. İkinci sebep. The second cause. 27. sözdeki içtihad bahsinde beyan ve ispat edildiği gibi sahabeler ekseriyeti mutlaka itibariyle Kemalat insaniyenin en ala derecesindedirler. We should remember that this is a letter that Ustad Nursi wrote to one of his uh, students, disciples, after, sometime after he had written the 27th word. Uh, 
and because of the relevance of the content he added it after the 27th word as an addendum to that treatise so he says as it has been explained and proven as it has been explained and proven in the discussion of ijtihad in the 27th word the absolute majority of the companions are at the highest rank of human perfection the absolute majority of the companions are at the highest rank of human perfection some of them may not be at the highest rank with regard to some of their character traits but if you were to consider them with the totality of their beings then in that regard they would all be superior to the rest of the humanity except for prophets çünkü o zamanda o inkılabı azimi islamide hayır ve hak bütün güzelliğiyle şer ve batıl bütün çirkinliğiyle görülmüş ve maddeten hissedilmiş because at their time or at that time as the tremendous revolution of islam was taking place imagine yourself imagine yourself on the arabian peninsula in hijaz close to mecca and medina at a distance where the, the, this information this knowledge of a new prophet can be heard imagine yourself in that arabian peninsula where tribalism and tribal fights and low character lowly character traits and disgusting practices had become so rife imagine yourself there and imagine the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam coming with his message and transforming this image that looked like the ugliest thing that you can possibly imagine into the most beautiful thing that you can possibly witness that's what was happening because at their time at the tremendous revolution of islam it was a revolution it was not a change in power it was not an amendment to some aspect of society it was not a small perhaps significant but still small improvement with regard to some aspect of social practice it was a revolution that was transforming the entire thing entire society entire individuals and the individuals in their entirety as the tremendous revolution of islam was taking place imagine yourself witnessing such a revolutionary change good and truth were seen in their entire beauty and evil and falsehood were seen in their entire ugliness and they were palpably physically sensed and the evilness of evil and the beauty of beauty the beauty of goodness and truth that was palpably physically sensed felt şer ve hayır ortasında öyle bir ayrılık ve kizb ve sıdk mabeyninde öyle bir mesafe açılmış ki küfür ve iman kadar belki cehennem ve cennet kadar beyinleri uzaklaştı there had appeared such a separation between evil and good and such a distance had separated lies and veracity that they had become as far away from one another as denial and faith in fact as hell and paradise 
So imagine how distant hell and paradise are. Paradise is where God manifests in all his beauty and majesty and perfection. And hell is where the merciful does not turn and look. What a human being is without God's mercy. Human beings are absolutely needy and absolutely in a state of poverty. Absolutely in need of everything and absolutely incapable of procuring anything. To understand this better, one can go back and listen to the first word or or read the first word in the book, the words, Sözler or Al-Kalimat. Human beings are absolutely need. They need everything. There is nothing that they can procure from their essence. And the provision of all of what they need is a manifestation of God's mercy. And the merciful does not look at those who are in hell. What that means is absolute deprivation of absolutely everything that a person needs. What a distance between paradise and hell. The distance had parted so much so that it was as if the the distance between the paradise and hell had become palpable before their eyes and was appearing as the difference between lies and veracity, lies and truth. And the distance between the denial of disbelief and faith had also parted like that. The companions, when they heard a lie, they could not go after it. When they saw the truth, they cannot leave it. This had become second nature for them. Şer ve hayır ortasında öyle bir ayrılık ve kizd ve sıdk mabeninde öyle bir mesafe açılmış ki küfür ve iman kadar belki cehennem ve cennet kadar beyinleri uzaklaştı. I'm reading this again. There had appeared such a separation between evil and good and such a distance had separated lies and veracity that they had become as far away from one another as denial and faith, in fact, as hell and paradise. Kizb ve şer ve batılın dellalı ve numunesi olan müsellime-i kezzab ve maskaraca kelimeleri olduğundan Fıtraten hissiyat ulviye sahibi ve maali-i ahlaka meftun ve izzet ve mübahata meyyal olan sahabeler elbette ihtiyarlarıyla kiz ve şerri ellerini uzatıp müseylime derekesine düşmemişler. Since the crier, proclaimer and exemplar of lies, evil and falsehood was the likes of Musaylime, the liar and his clownish words. Musaylime is... Uh, one of these uh, persons who lived in on, in the Arabian Peninsula around the time of the Prophet wasallam, he visited the Prophet wasallam with some of his uh, friends from the tribe that he belonged to, but he did not see the Prophet wasallam in person. He visited uh, Medina but stayed behind in order to take care of their property and goods and so on and so forth, but appeared to have taken Islam, but after the Prophet passed away, he declared his own prophethood. And he, he would utter these gibberish things saying that this is the revelation that came to me. And he even gathered some following. And Abu Bakr, the first caliph, may God be pleased with him. 
uh, organized an expedition and sent the expedition on on him and this the Khalid bin Walid was the commander of the expedition and they did away with this movement and his followers dispersed that was Musaylimay Kazab, the Musaylimay the liar so Ustad Nursi is saying here since the crier proclaimer and exemplar of lies evil and falsehood was the likes of Musaylimay the liar and his clownish words even his daughter said like what, what, what are you talking about what you are saying is just gibberish clownish lie the companions who possessed lofty emotions out of their innate characters who were infatuated with high morality and who were inclined to dignity and taking pride in what is good of course they had not extended their hands to lies and evils by choice so if they inadvertently found themselves in a context where lies and evils existed inadvertently maybe that may be a possibility but by choice they they would not do this they would not extend their hands to lies and evil they had not fallen to the lovely degree of musaylima the companions were transformed they their entire being was transformed and revolutionized they had developed aversion to lie to denial to what is not in compliance with in correspondence with the reality as reality is this was not only a matter of intellectual exercise for them it had covered taken over their entire beings when they did not let's say drink wine once wine was declared haram forbidden by god that was not only because this was now a matter of intellectual obligation no they developed the aversion to what god forbade for them now this doesn't mean that they did not have lowly souls there were some who continued to drink wine etc but they they did that in a state of struggle in a those few not many those few who did that would do it in a state of struggle and repentance acknowledging and fearing and complaining of their inability to resist the the strength the the push of their lowly souls they would not do it they would not do it by rationalizing what they did by trying to find excuses to what they did there is a story of one of these companions who uh, this is after the prophet وسلم, who would drink and each time he drank he would receive the punishment for doing that and and then i suppose repent and you know promise not to do it again but then he would do it again and then he would receive the punishment again so the that punishment is given in this world in order to purify the the punishment uh, for you know some of these acts that some of the sins that we see in the sharia is meant to purify the person while in this world so the the sin is not left to the hereafter to be purified and he knew this and after some events the the caliph of the time said that i'm, I'm not going to uh, punish you about this again because uh, some extra or extraordinary events were witnessed from him and the uh, 
the person in charge of punishing had come to the conclusion that this this person is beloved to God and he, he didn't want to do that he said I'm not going to punish you again and the companion said okay then I cannot drink again I'm not going to do it again so this there there, there is this absolute recognition of the uh, forbiddenness haram nature of drinking wine and he, he would do it perhaps with the hope that uh, you know he, he could not resist it but he, he was willing to take the punishment in this world but when nobody was willing to apply that punishment to him thereafter he, he could not bring himself to drink it because he had certainty about hell he had certainty about God he had certainty about paradise he had certainty about hell so the distance between lies and veracity, lies and truth, had opened, opened so much so that the companions, once, once they chose the side of truth, beauty, veracity, they would develop this aversion to everything on the other side and they would not be able to extend their hands there by choice. That's important to emphasize again, by choice. Sıdk ve hayır ve hakkın dellalı ve numunesi olan Habibullah'ın aleyhissalatu vesselam alâ-i illiyini kemalatındaki makamına bakarak bütün kuvvet ve himmetleriyle o tarafa koşmak muktezayı seciyeleridir. So with all their power strength they would run away from the likes of Musaylime and it was a natural outcome of their inborn character that they would behold the station of the beloved of God sallallahu alaihi wasallam at the level of the perfection of the highest of the high so they are looking at the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they are beholding the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and here we are not talking only about his physical appearance we are talking about his metaphysical personality too right you are on the Arabian Peninsula you heard that there is this person his name is Muhammad this is the, the this is what he says came to him as revelation you listen to it and you say there cannot be lie in this word I recognize him as the prophet I am now beholding him as the prophet as what as the beloved of God at the level of the perfection of the highest of the high as the epitome and proclaimer of veracity the good and the truth they would behold him in that station and they would hasten run toward him once you behold him once you see him once you perceive him in that station you cannot but run to him it is like magnetism the opposite poles attract each other in this case it was the the same poles that were attracting each other good was attracting good beauty was attracting beauty veracity was attracting veracity truthfulness was attracting truthfulness and the good the beauty the veracity the truthfulness that they saw in the prophet in the metaphysical personality of the prophet as well as the physical personality of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was so lofty so high so powerful that they would not be able to not run to him, not attracted to him with their entire being. Mesela, nasıl ki zaman oluyor, medeniyeti beşeriye çarşısında ve hayatı içtimaiye-i insaniye dükkanında bazı şeylerin verdiği müdhiş neticeleri ve çirkin eserleri, zehri katil gibi herkes onu satın almak değil, 
bütün kuvvetiyle ondan nefret edip kaçar ve bazı şeylerin ve manevi metaların verdikleri güzel neticeler ve kıymetdar eserler bir tiryak nafi ve bir pırlanta gibi herkesin nazarı rağbetini kendine celbeder. Üstad Nursi is going to explain this with an example. For example, sometimes in the marketplace of human civilization and the shop of the social life of humanity, as a result of the dreadful consequences and ugly effects that certain things have, everybody feel disgusted with them and run away from them with all their power as if avoiding deadly poison. This may be different from society to society, from time frame to time frame. In our time, the things that we are disgusted with and run away as, as deadly poison, there are such things, but there are not, they are not many. We are at such a time that almost everything can be recognized as acceptable. There are few things that cannot, and that may change again from country to country, society to society, but that's so limited. And everything has become so available and accessible and acceptable. Societies have grown so liberal that this may be difficult to understand for us, but in, in our imagination, we should try to understand the metaphor, the representational example, so that we can from there move on to understanding the reality that Ustad Nursi is going to be talking about. Everybody should imagine what might be so disgusting, ugly, unacceptable for everybody in the society that they are living in to the extent that everybody in the society publicly acknowledges their opinion about the subject. And I don't want to give examples here because that would be giving examples of the re really ugly stuff and and no need to visualize that. Everybody can think of this in their own minds. So, sometimes in the marketplace of human civilization and the shop of the social life of humanity, as a result of the dreadful consequences and ugly effects that certain things have, everybody feel disgusted with them and run away from them, those certain things, with all their power, as if avoiding deadly poison. And certain other things and metaphysical goods attract the attention of everybody like a beneficial potion or jewel because of the beautiful consequences that they render and their precious, valuable effects. Everybody is concerned about, let's say, HIV, AIDS a sickness that that has claimed so many lives and that has made the lives of so many people so difficult and there are other problems other sicknesses like that but this one has attracted public attention and therefore everybody has a concern about it and let's imagine a uh, a scientist who finds the cure for this and he has that potion and it comes out we will we will give this person the Nobel Prize. He will become the Nobel Laureate of the year. And also imagine yourself in a jewelry store, uh, but rather mediocre jewels are all around. And on one of the shelves by itself is standing this 
perfect diamond that is so brilliant and so flawless that as soon as you enter the store it's shining that it attracts your attention everybody would be attracted to something like this certain other things and metaphysical goods attract the attention of everybody like a beneficial potion or jewel because of the beautiful consequences they render and their precious valuable effects herkes elinden geldiği kadar onları satın almaya çalışır everybody tries to purchase them obtain them as much as they can and of course that knows he is using the marketplace metaphor here and therefore he's saying purchase them as much as they can öyle de Asr-ı saadette hayat-ı içtimaiye-i insaniyenin çarşısında kizb ve şer ve küfür gibi maddeler, şekavet-i ebediye gibi neticeleri ve müsilime-i kezzab gibi süfli maskaraları tevlid ettiğinden, secayat-ı aliye ve hubb-ı maaliye meftun olan sahabelerin zehri katilden kaçar gibi ondan kaçmaları ve nefret etmeleri bedihidir. In the same way, it is a given, it is obvious, clearly known that at the time of felicity, at that time when the Prophet ﷺ lived, declared his prophethood, passed the revelation on to his companions and the generation of the companions where truth and lie were so separated, that time of felicity. It is a given that at that time of felicity, the companions who were infatuated with lofty moral characters and the love of elevated virtues would be disgusted by and run away from lies, the evil and denial of disbelief as if running away from deadly poison because of their consequences such as eternal torment and for begetting the abominable likes of Muslim and the liar. Again, Think of that time, the time of felicity, the companions infatuated with lofty moral characters and the love of elevated virtues. They are not doing this because they are obliged to. They are not doing this only because their intellects tell them this is good, this is bad. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, that happens. No, they develop internal aversion to bad and internal love for good. They are infatuated with lofty moral characters and the love of elevated virtues. So at that time, of course, it is clear, it is a given that they would be disgusted by and run away from lies, the evil and denial of disbelief. They would run away from lies, evil and in the denial of disbelief, kufr is the word that we are translating here by saying denial of disbelief as if running away from deadly poison because of their consequences so the consequences of the lies the evil and the denial of disbelief they saw that they saw the consequences of denial evil and lies they saw consequences such as eternal torment do we also see it Let's say that there is a situation in which we can take advantage of something that is of small value. Let's say using a 
piece of paper in our workplace that belongs to the workplace and that should be used for workplace purposes only and that's clearly stated there is no leeway there is no ambiguity but it's it is so small that we just disregard this this fact and take the paper and use it for a personal purpose do we see eternal torment at the end of that do we have so much certainty in the verity of eternal torment i.e the hell that we are not going to risk it even for anything that is small or big we will never be never be careless enough to think that something is small and therefore can be taken advantage of even though the consequence may be a little bit of exposure to that eternal torment Umar radiallahu an had two candles one he would use when taking care of the affairs of the caliphate when taking care of public affairs and once that was done once he finished public business he would blow the candle off and turn his other candle which he had purchased with his own private money and take care of his private business with the private candle that he owned if there was a one percent chance of falling into a fire pit and 99 percent chance of winning one million dollars or pounds or whatever a high amount of uh, money if you jumped off of a chair would you do it if you were standing by the fire pit you were seeing it you were feeling the heat of the fire pit even if there is only one percent chance would you do it they were as certain of the reality the verity of that eternal torment as a person who is standing by the fire pit who is feeling the heat of that fire is certain they had certainty they were infatuated with lofty moral characters and the love of elevated virtues and therefore it is a given that they would be disgusted by and run away from lies the evil and denial of disbelief as if running away from deadly poison as if as if you were almost stepping a snake that took this pose of attacking and biting and you knew that that's a deadly snake as if you would reflexively move away run away because you know the consequences and the consequences in this case the consequences of lies evil and denial of disbelief is eternal torment and they would also see that these things lies evil and denial of disbelief begot the abominable likes of Musaylim and the liar they were just disgusted by that they had a visceral response a visceral response to run away from it they still had the lower souls they were still attracted to the attractions of the world they were still exposed to the whisperings of satan but they had developed the aversion to it in their characters this aversion was very powerful the difference between good and evil had become so clear to them ambiguities 
gray areas. They did not have that. به سعادت ابدیه گیبی نتیجه ورن. به رسول اکرم علیه السلام وسلم گیبی نورانی میولر گسترن. صدق به حقا به ایمانا. این نافی بیر تریاک. این قیمتدار بیر الماس گیبی. O fıtratları safiye ve seciyeleri samiye olan sahabeler bütün kuvvetleriyle ve hissiyat ve letaifleriyle onlara müşteri ve müştak olması zaruridir. And it is obligatory that with all of their senses and subtle faculties, the companions who had pure innate natures and superior inborn characters would be the customers of and have a yearning for veracity, truth, and faith that resulted in eternal felicity and demonstrated luminous fruits like the Honorable Messenger They would be yearning for it, they would be the customers for it, they would be running to it as if seeking a most beneficial potion or a precious diamond. Halbuki o zamandan sonra git gide ve gele gele Sıdk ve kizb ortasındaki mesafe azala azala, omuz omuza geldi. Yet, the distance between veracity and lies has become shorter and shorter since that time to the extent that they stand shoulder to shoulder on one line now. That's the problem. Perhaps at an intellectual level, on paper, when we sit down and think in technical terms, perhaps, and this is still limited, but perhaps we can see good from evil, beautiful from ugly, right from wrong. But when we move from that theoretical level, that, that world of ideas, to the, to the world in which we live, to the nitty-gritty of reality, there, there we lose sight. There we cannot tell one thing from another. There we are exposed to the ambiguity of reality and incapable of telling good from evil, beautiful from ugly, right from wrong, with the clarity that the companions, radiallahu anhum, may God be pleased with all of them, all of them, that the companions had attained. Unfortunate, but we do not have that clarity. The world looks so confusing to us. Bir dükkanda ikisi beraber satılmaya başladığı gibi ahlak içtimaiye bozuldu. As the two, what are the two? Veracity and lies. As the two started to be sold together in the same shop, social morals became corrupted. Think of usury. We all recognize that it is forbidden in the Quran, it is forbidden in the practice of the Prophet it is forbidden in all of our uh, books of jurisprudence and so on and so forth. But at the same time, we are all incapacitated by the fact that it is everywhere and it is almost impossible for us to find a way out of it 100%. Because this is the case, we start to end up taking it for granted. And although we recognize that it is bad, 
we do not have the same level of aversion. We do not become disgusted by it. Perhaps if a Muslim, a believer, went to a restaurant, ordered a dish thinking that it is halal, started eating, and then as he or she was eating that meal, he recognized that, oh my God, this is made with pork. That person would feel this strong aversion, perhaps even you know, become nauseated and throw up, push the, push the dish away, push the plate away, move, move out of the restaurant, would be troubled by the situation. Why? Pork is haram. Well, usually is haram. But do we feel the same level of disgust and aversion? Maybe some do. But if you felt that level of disgust and aversion, it would probably be very difficult to live in the world that we live in because it's everywhere. But for the companions, this was not the case. If you brought a companion of the Prophet ﷺ to the world that we live in, they were not jaded. They were, they had not developed this sense of familiarity that takes away the some of the significance and seriousness of the problem. They would be disgusted and feel a, feel that aversion, because things had become clear for them. For us, as the two, that is, veracity and lies, started to be sold together in the same shop, social morals became corrupted. We are not talking about individuals here. We are talking about the world as a single community and the community of Muslims in it. Social morals. Social morals, that is what is corrupted. Propaganda is siyaset yalana fazla revaç verdi. Political propaganda opened the floodgates of lying. We start to become so jaded that we, we sometimes, not all of us, and not all the time, but sometimes we accept a lie, even though we know that it is a lie, we accept it, we take it as acceptable if it promotes an ideal that we think is good. But do ends justify the means in our morality? No. Propaganda-i siyaset yalana revaç verdi. The propaganda of politics opened the floodgates of lies. Yalanın müdheş çirkinliği gizlenip, doğruluğun parlak güzelliği görünmemeye başladığı zamanda, kimin haddi var ki, sahabenin adalet ve sıdk ve ulviyet ve hakkaniyet hususundaki kuvvetlerine, metanetlerine, takvalarına yetişebilsin veya derecelerinden geçsin. At a time when the dreadful ugliness of lies is hidden. The dreadful ugliness of lies is hidden. And the bright beauty of veracity, truthfulness, truth, has started not to be visible. Whose place is it? Whose place is it that they will reach or surpass the strength, perseverance, and God-fearing consciousness of the companions with regard to justice, veracity, exaltedness, and truthfulness? It is not about individuals now. 
It is about the individuals, and we talked about that too. The companions were chosen. Their innate characters were pure and, and excellent, as, as excellent can be in human terms. But besides that, there is this problem of context, the problem of the community, society that we are living in at a time when the dreadful ugliness of lies is hidden. It is hidden. And the bright beauty of veracity has started not to be visible. No matter how, how well you see, the brightness of that veracity has started not to be visible. Dust has covered it. So under these circumstances, whose place is it? No matter what, what the um, personal capacity of that person is, whose place is it that they would reach or surpass the strength, perseverance, and God-fearing consciousness of the companions with regard to justice, veracity, exaltedness, virtues, and truthfulness? Geçen meseleyi bir derece tenvir edecek başıma gelmiş bir halimi beyan ediyorum. Üstad Nursi says, I will narrate a state that I experienced and that may illuminate this matter to some extent. Bir zaman kalbime geldi. Niçin Muhiddin-i Arabi gibi harika zatlar sahabelere yetişemiyorlar? Once the thought of this question came to my heart. Why can wondrous persons, extraordinary, beautiful, wondrous persons like Muhyiddin ibn al-Arabi, why can wondrous persons like Muhyiddin ibn al-Arabi cannot reach the companions, the level, the rank of the companions? And of course, uh, Muhyiddin ibn al-Arabi is this 12th through 13th century great Sufi who was given so many openings into the metaphysical realm as a consequence of his rank, his ikhlas, his sincerity, his station before God, his status of being a friend of God, being a saint of God. So he is such a lofty person that we all we all would look up to. But but even the likes of Muhyiddin ibn Arabi cannot reach the companions. Why? This was the question that came to Ustad Nursi's heart as a thought. Sonra namaz içinde Subhana Rabbiyal Ala derken şu kelimenin manası inkişaf etti. And then one day, as I said, Subhana Rabbiyal Ala, glory be to my exalted Lord, while performing a prayer, the meaning of this phrase opened up for me. Not for me, of course, Ustad Nursi is saying this. Tam manasıyla değil, fakat bir parça hakikati göründü. Not with the entirety of its meaning, but its reality became apparent to some extent. Kalben dedim, keşke bir tek namaza bu kelime gibi muvaffak olsaydım. Bir sene ibadetten daha iyiydi. I said in my heart, if only I could succeed in performing just one of my prayers, like it happened with this phrase. That would have been better than worshipping a whole year. And of course, uh, this is a reference to 
a, a, a prophetic tradition about uh, the, an hour of contemplation, reflection, being better than a year of worship, and in some other narrations, maybe more than a year of worship. And of course, the interpretation or explanation that scholars have brought here is that that is a year of worship in, in which there is no reflection. Right? So Statnorsi is saying, if only I could succeed in performing just one of my prayers like it happened with this phrase, with this opening, that would have been better than worshipping a whole year. Namazdan sonra anladım ki, o hatıra ve o hal sahabelerin ibadetteki derecelerine yetişilmediğine bir irşaddır. And then, after prayer, I understood that that thought and that state was a guidance to understanding the impossibility of reaching the rank of the companions in worship. So this is a guidance that was given to Ustad Nursi in understanding the superiority of the companions only in one respect, with respect to worship. And there are many other respects that we can take into consideration. But he is giving this to us as an example to help us understand their superiority, superiority the superiority of the companions with regard to all of those aspects. Evet, Kur'an-ı Hakim'in envariyle hasıl olan o inkılab-ı azim-i içtimaide ezdad birbirinden çıkıp ayrılırken Şerler bütün tevabiyle, zulümatıyla ve teferruatıyla ve hayır ve kemalat bütün envarıyla ve netaiciyle karşı karşıya gelip bir vaziyette ve müheyyic bir zamanda her zikir ve tesbih bütün manasının tabakatını turfanda ve teravetli ve taze ve genç bir surette ifade ettiği gibi o inkılab-ı azimin tarrakası altında olan insanların bütün hissiyatını, letaifi maneviyesini uyandırmış. Hatta vehim ve hayal ve sır gibi duygular, hüşyar ve müteyakkız bir surette o zikir, o tesbihlerdeki müteaddid manaları kendi zevklerine göre alır, emer. Yes, during that tremendous social revolution that resulted from the radiant lights of the wisdomful Quran, as the opposites left one another and separated in a state and at a time of excitement, in that state and that time of excitement, as all evils with all of their affiliates, relations, darkness and details, and all good and perfection with all of their lights and consequences were facing each other from opposite sides, as all remembrances and glorifications, remembrances of God and dhikr is the word for here, and glorifications, tasbih, right? As all remembrances and glorifications were exposing the various layers of all of their meanings in the form of early crops. Imagine yourself in, in the spring, uh, whichever fruit you like the most, when the first early crop of that, uh, that fruit comes in the market, how tender and, and beautiful it would be, right? So as all remembrances and glorifications were exposing the various layers of all of their meanings in the form of early crops, tender, fresh, and young, the thunderous noise of that tremendous revolution has awakened all the senses and metaphysical subtleties of human beings. So what awakened? 
the senses and metaphysical subtleties, those subtleties that perceive subtle realities of human beings. So much so that even the senses such as fantasy, imagination and the secret, and secret is, it's secret, we don't know what it is, but it is that aspect of the heart that knows God. So, so much so that even the senses such as fantasy, imagination and the secret were taking and absorbing the numerous meanings in those remembrances and glorifications in a state of perceptiveness and alertness in accordance with their respective capacities of appreciation and delight. İşte şu hikmete binaen bütün hissiyatları uyanık ve letaifleri hüşyar olan sahabeler envar-ı imaniye ve tesbihiyeyi cami olan kelimat-ı mübarekeyi dedikleri vakit kelimenin bütün manasıyla söyler ve bütün letaifiyle hisse alırlardı. Thus it is due to this wisdom that when the companions all of whose senses were awake and all of whose subtleties were open to perception when they uttered those blessed words and phrases that gathered the lights of faith and glorification, they would say it with the entirety of the word's meaning and they would receive their share from it with all of their subtleties. Imagine yourself saying, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Praise and gratitude be to the Lord of the worlds, Lord of the realms. What are those realms? Everything, everything, starting from the physical world that one can observe around himself or herself to the world, the earth itself and everything on and in the earth and the solar system and the galaxy and the galaxies all put together, the entire cosmos and whatever might be beyond that, the, the invisible world the realm of the witness and the realm of the invisible, everything put together. Imagine yourself being able to, to have all of these together in your heart and mind with equal clarity as if you are seeing the, the, uh, the, the carpet that you are standing on or your hands and your fingernails imagine yourself having all of this in your heart and mind with equal clarity and recognizing your lord as the lord of all of them all of their senses and subtle faculties were awakened and had become perceptive had had become open to perception in all respects, with all the meanings that those remember remembrances, glorifications, blessed, sacred words indicated and pointed to, imagine. Yet after that initial explosion and revolution when Islam was a new religion and the excitement was heightened and everybody was so happy to have found truth after the darkness the light has shone after absolute darkness those subtleties those subtle faculties that 
had become alert and awakened and were sensing all the subtleties of the reality that is out there those subtleties have gradually went back to sleep and the senses have fallen into heedlessness with regard to their perception of those truths those blessed words have gradually lost their delicacy and tender freshness like fruits do over time adeta sathilik havasıyla kuruyor gibi Az bir yaşlık kalıyor ki kuvvetli tefekkürî bir ameliyatla ancak evvelki hali iade edilebilir. It is as if the surface dries by exposure to air. Some wetness, a little bit of wetness is left. And some wetness is left on the surface but the core is of course still fresh and, and, and, and wet, preserves its life water. One can return to the previous state only through a powerful operation of reflection by contemplating the matter and reflecting upon it and digging under the surface and reaching that core but this requires a powerful substantial operation işte bundandır ki 40 dakikada bir sahabenin kazandığı fazilete ve makama 40 günde hatta 40 senede başkası ancak yetişebilir and this is why only in 40 days or even 40 years that those who are not among the companions can reach the virtue and rank that a companion would reach in 40 minutes. A companion would sit with the Prophet for 40 minutes and because this is such a revolution, such a substantial fundamental transformation all of the senses and subtle faculties would open up and be, become perceptive and they would be seeing truth in its absolutely most beautiful and most voracious form in the in the person of the prophet وسلم, and reach that degree that rank in, in in in those 40 minutes whereas if one were to try to get there today 40 days 40 months 40 years 400 years reaching the rank of the companions is not possible getting close to it may still be possible but it is not a comparable process all right this is the end of the second factor second cause that Ustad Nursi gives to us uh, as usual if you benefit from this please do share it with your friends let the the light spread inshallah subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin